I love the soft flip game, to be honest with you. I think it's the best way to make money as fast as possible. You're listening to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show, a podcast that discusses the intricacies of real estate investing with your host, Marcus E. Maloney. Marcus is a real estate investor best known for being the equity king. He's been awarded that moniker because he and his team find amazing real estate deals. He will be talking with investors who have done some transformational things in the real estate industry. They'll discuss their process, their strategies, and how their investments transform their lives and the communities they invest in. We welcome you to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. All right, guys, welcome to another show. This is Marcus Maloney, and we are with Megan McCollum. Um, this is the we, we Love Equity Real Estate Show. And Megan, I met Megan. She's a very, very energetic, charismatic personality. And we met at the Midwest Real Estate Networking Summit uh, back in June. Megan is very, very accomplished. I mean, she's a firefighter. Well, was a firefighter. She was a former medic on Obama's motorcade. Uh, she's a real estate investor, real estate influencer, and she has really done some dynamic things here in the world of real estate. So without further delay, I'll let Megan kind of give me some bullet points of who she is and what she's doing right now. And Megan, welcome you to our listeners. Hey, Marcus, uh, thanks for having me. And thank you to everyone who's taking the time to listen to me uh, chat with you. I always appreciate the listeners too. So um, like Marcus said, my name is Megan McCollum. I'm a real estate investor full-time in the, from the city of Chicago. Uh, I invested across the Midwest as far east as Maryland and as far west as the Quad Cities. Um, the Quad Cities is where uh, Illinois and Iowa meet at the Mississippi River uh, but the main city that you could think of is would be like Moline, Illinois meets yep. Davenport. So there's a there's a whole bunch of cities there, smaller cities that that kind of share up that little metropolis. And uh, I spent a few years making um, a lot of purchases out there, and that's where I, I got my financial freedom from. But I started right here in Chicago as a fireman, and uh, I've been going ever since that. And now real estate's freed me up to do even more things that I'm excited about, you know, diving into. So. Sweet, sweet. I'm excited to be here. So tell us um, a little bit about that transition from going from a firefighter, full-time firefighter, active duty, to being a real estate investor. How was that transition? When you run into a, a burning building for a living and uh, you have no idea what you're going to find, you always have fears. But it, just like in firefighting or any sort of risk analysis, you need to gather as much uh, evidence or data points that you can to make some interest, you know, to make your decisions. And I still feel like there are some people who go off their gut because they analyze so many points in data. So if you have a friend who ever says they trust their gut, they're probably analyzing so many different data points that they don't even know why they feel that. So um, as a fireman, I've used my gut on a lot of situations that kept me out of danger. And so in real estate investing, I did the same. I slowly got into it. Okay. It took me three and a half years of looking and I started in, in the last, like, let's go, let's talk about the last cycle. That's really where I okay. kind of poured in. And I started, unfortunately, right as it was about to fall. I would liken that time to being very similar to where we're at right now within like, give or take six months to a year. 
we're kind of creeping up to that point where there's going to be or should be a reversal. Will there be? I think that's actually going to be predicated based on our next president. If mm -hmm. Trump is our president again, I believe that we'll see the false inflation of, uh, you know, we'll be, we'll be told lies that we have a healthy economy when we already know right now that we are not in a healthy economy. The exactly. GDP, the GDP they just announced, if you guys don't know what that is, it's the gross domestic product. Mm -hmm. um, and quarterly, four times a year, um, they'll tell us what, you know, what kind of growth or a lack of growth exists in, in basically the business of America. And for the first two quarters of the year, so the first half of the year, the GDP growth was 3.1%. And they're predicting now for this, this next quarter to be at or this next quarter just recently reported, the two prior to that was 3.1% growth, where we only had 2.1% growth this past quarter. Mm -hmm. So you look at what's causing that, and I'm getting into like a lot of technical yep, nuts and yep, nope, yep, new yeah. guys like, what? But like <laughs> what I'm saying, because these are the, these are the reasons why I know what I know. Um, I'm looking at things outside of what you hear in real estate, because that's where the truth is. Yep. If you at real estate investors or gurus who are trying to teach you things, what you're going to get is a bunch of people who parrot, yeah. oh, there was a bigger influencer. Well, I heard that from him. So I'm going to sit on his shoulder and say what he said. But that's not somebody taking responsibility for themselves, what they're teaching and fact checking. So I like to go and dig in deeper than just the casual information to make those decisions. I want all those data points. Yep. So I'm talking more on a higher, like a uh, like I even look at like global economics and what trends I see and patterns happening. And I wasn't this smart guys. Again, I was a fireman and <laughs> I ran into burning buildings on purpose. So, but I did want to get those data points and that's the, the nerd in me. And um, data points don't just come from figures and stats and all that. They also come from, like I said, general feelings, like walking a neighborhood, you're going to feel good about the neighborhood, but you're not going to know that there's been an increase in net worth of the people who live there because it's not a data point you can get. But hey, look at these cars. These cars look nice. These are new yeah. cars. Last month or last year, these, these cars weren't new, but now they're new. That's a good sign for the neighborhood. It's a better sign if people are taking that new money and putting it in their houses and not in their cars. Right. Sometimes people get, you know, car rich doesn't mean rich rich. Car rich can just mean money poor usually. Yeah, money poor. Exactly. But those are, those are all little signs that you want to look at in, in neighborhoods if you don't want to get into the extremely nerdy data that I like to get into. But mm -hmm. going back to that, we're, we're, we are, we've been towing the line of, of a correction here for a while. On average, they're once every 10 years, then we've pushed that mark. Yeah. So and that's, begs the question, when? Yeah. Not if. When? When. And that's something that I've, I've been looking at in some of the markets that we've been uh, doing deals in is you know, kind of pulling back just a little bit, you know, being a little mm -hmm. bit more conservative because we yep. know that a correction is coming of some sorts, you know, so we've been kind of putting our money to the sidelines. That way, when that correction happens, we can go and pick things up at 50 cent on a dollar. You know, you don't get rich overnight. It's totally true. My wealth gain is like 10 X the amount of money I had when I bought. I'm actually, this is the house. This is the house I bought to house hack. I moved back into it because I love it so much. And it still pays for itself and pays me about $1,200 a month to live here. So, and it's a great neighborhood. So you can house hack. And that's the first way I think someone should get started. Make, turn your first, your biggest liability into an asset. Yes. And you do that by living in a house and make that house make you money. You can have roommates, 
you can buy a duplex and share it. You can have a casita. Uh, cas you guys have casitas, right? Yep. yep. You have little casitas off, off, mm -hmm. uh, off the house, or you know, maybe you've got um, something over the garage. If buy a property that's going to make money and pay for the property. That's number one if you're getting started in real estate investing, and that's you can't go wrong with that. Even right. in a bad market, you buy wrong, at least it's paying you back for your mistakes. Mm -hmm. So, well, let's 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 get me talking here, man. I could talk all day. Yeah, yeah. let's kind of talk about this this house hacking. So, was that yeah. the first thing you did to get into uh, real estate? And kind of let's kind of talk about that. No, I did it like everybody else. I found a house. I fell in love. I moved in and I had no idea what I was going to do with it. And it was just a house and it was a liability. And um, I actually moved out of it in nine months and sold it uh, to go overseas. I, volunteer I took a job during the war as a firefighter in the Middle East in, um, okay. at Camp Aragon in, in, you know, during the Iraq war, because I promised my mom I would never enlist, but I got to still mm -hmm. go to war. Um, so I accidentally flipped a house. So that was my, <laughs> it was an okay. accidental flip. Uh, I made nine grand on it uh, in nine months, which I thought was a great return on my yeah. money. Um, and then when I came back, I was a big dummy and paid cash because I saved up my money from working overseas and bought a condo. Oh, wow. Yeah, worst idea ever. In the city of Chicago, <laughs> valuations on condos dropped 50%, like darn near overnight. And so I still also own that condo. Uh -huh. um, I'll be getting rid of it this year to buy another condo in an, a better area that I won't mind hanging on to it. Okay. Um, so one closer to Second City, which is a place I'm studying comedy at. So I just want to be closer to the things I love, and I'm going to Airbnb that out and keep it uh, an asset instead of a liability. So you said one thing that was really clear, and you said that I purchased cash, and that was the dumbest thing that I could do. Um, well, that, explain that yeah. to, to the listeners because everyone always says, hey, you know what? Go and pay cash for a property. I buy properties cash. Why is that dumb? It would be crazy dumb right now. Uh, it was really crazy dumb back then because I couldn't get, I couldn't leverage that money. I was stuck because the property dropped in value so much. Mm -hmm. So let's just make numbers even. Let's say I went in and bought a place for $200,000. All of a sudden overnight, they say it's worth $100,000. Well, it's not really, it's just, I can't sell it for more than that now. Yep. That's not how the banks play. So we'll talk about Burr investing, um, which is where you do intentionally use cash to purchase your property. But I wasn't intending that. I was trying to buy something that I thought would continue appreciating. And I thought I was doing it smart. So I had like very little overhead and I thought I could keep saving and it, it, it screwed the pooch. It really did for me. Okay. So, I said I had to sit on that for three and a half years and then I still haven't gotten my money out of it yet to be honest with you. Um, I saved up more money in that three and a half years and I bought the place I'm sitting in now and it took me three and a half years to find it and that three and a half years was me every day, every other day spending two, three hours looking at the market, walking houses, um, find, learning about foreclosures or short sales and I think this is a great time for your audience to dig in what does it mean to buy a short sale? Why do some people say, don't buy a short sale, buy a foreclosure? Should I wait for a foreclosure? Is that too much of a headache? Well, when you're buying a house at a third of its price, because that all goes away with, with uh, you know, an appreciation of, of two, 200% in a, in a few years, mm -hmm. 300% in a few years. And you'll be able to find those deals once we get the correction going. So once the correction happens, 
buy cash, yep. it up, get it ready, refinance it, get all your cash. Sometimes if you're, if you're good at burying the burr process, you can get out more money yep. and, and you can spend that tax-free because it's a loan. There is a time and a place for, what am I going to say? Everything. And that's true in real estate investing too. So most important thing of being a new guy is when you first get in, don't have a fear of missing out. Here, have the fear of getting in. So what is that? Fog, fogey? Yeah. Fear of getting in. Fogey? Yeah. yeah. You should be having fogey right now. Now, not FOMO. Fogey. Okay. Uh, so so your, your house hack puts you in a position to where you can make money off of that liability was well once was a liability and, and is now, now an asset yeah okay so why megan why did you decide to even get into real estate investing i wanted more for my life i mean i loved my job i loved helping people i loved the danger i loved the physicality but i hated living paycheck to paycheck mm-hmm. and Nobody watching this wants to pay more taxes so that I can live a bit a better life. Um, I think firefighting is a pretty good gig. You know, when we had downtime, I could study. I could, you know, I could uh, learn this stuff. Don't worry about getting into like again, no fogey, no FOMO. It's fogey. Don't get in because someone told you they know what they're doing. No one knows what's going on now. So the right. surefire way to get rich, guys, if you're so interested in getting rich so fast, is hurry up and wait, wait, wait till everything's on sale. That's, that's, that's a good concept. Very good concept. So during your learning process, you know, who was, who did you follow? Who did you kind of let lead you and built you up so you can finally jump in and take that action? I first started by listening to Bigger Pockets um, okay. podcasts and I started on one and I ran through all of them until I got to be a guest on. And then I, now I listen when I have time or specific niches or if a fr- you know, I meet somebody who I didn't know. I'll, I'll listen to their uh, their podcast. Okay. Um, but you know, back when 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 their podcast started, their podcast uh, what was it, two thousand twelve maybe? Yeah, twelve around there. Great year. That's when I bought this place. You know, that's uh-huh. when I that's when I started pouring money and in, in, in intensity into it because we were we had just. We weren't at the bottom of the market. We had already come up a little bit. So the market got tested. If you're a trader, you know how that is. When it's down, you're going to have a little bit of an uptick. It's a test. Mm -hmm. Does it go up or does it go back down again? Going down. Exactly. Yep. So 2012 is when the proof was in the pudding to buy. And that's when I finally pulled the trigger and I bought this. Um, And I only had 80,000 bucks cash. I tried getting away with putting down 40, but it was, here's a little tip, guys. If you're going to try to buy a foreclosure, put down as much cash as you can. Worry about the refinance later because that's why I won this house. I had one of the lowest bids, put the most cash in, and wrote a $20,000 earnest check to say I was serious. Wow, that's, so, that's a great strategy. I stole it. I know I did. I tell everybody to this day, I go, I don't belong to live in this house. This, this house is now valued somewhere, depending on who you talk to. Um, I had it evaluated a couple years ago at 700000 Some people are saying it's upwards of eight. I've had I have million dollar houses selling around here right now. So, wow. and I paid two eighty. See, and that's and guys, that's important. That's the importance of being patient and buying right. You make money on the acquisition, um, so you definitely have to do that. So, Megan, during this time, did you ever come to a point in your life where you was like, oh, "I'm gonna give this real estate thing up. I'm just gonna give up and try over." 
No, I never give up totally on real estate. Uh, I have, I, I do believe in selling off your dogs um, or even, you know, there's a right time to sell off your, even your good earners, right? It depends on what the trends are in real estate. Depends on where you want to keep your money and capital. And it also depends on your lifestyle. That was really important to me. I wanted to make sure I could spend more time with my girls. Uh, I have two daughters and I wanted to live that stay at home mom life, but I was working every other day for 24 hours a day. And that wasn't really a way I wanted to live. That's the federal government. They, they worked us a lot harder than the municipalities do. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. So you just wanted that change in lifestyle. That was, that was basically the main reason. I was ready for life to be a little bit easier and I wanted the nice things. I wanted to go on vacation and not have to put it on a credit card. I wanted, I wanted to own a car that wasn't over six years old ever again, that I had to worry about where, where am I going to get the payment to fix the transmission? Like that's what most, that's what most people are living with nowadays. Right. Absolutely. Mark, I know like I was living like that paycheck to paycheck. And until I got out of the fire service and started going into this full time. And I was in the fire service full time buying properties until it made sense to go, you know what? I'm not going back to the fire service. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. Some people, they just got to wait until they get fed up and they say, Hey, you know what? This life that I'm leaving is just not the life that I want to live. And I need to do something different. Those yeah. are the people that really take the action. And, and that's kind of where I was at. You know, I was in a position where, it's like, okay, I'm done. I'm fed up. I can't do this anymore. I have to do something different. And then that's when I, after all of the years of studying, I was like, okay, I got to jump in. You know, but you said it on. years of studying. And mm -hmm. I said it years of studying. Don't get in until you're so sure that you know too much. Yep. You should feel like you know too much, so much so that you're going to talk yourself out of deals. Then you're ready. There you go. There you go. So tell me, Megan, which transaction had the biggest impact on your career? Hmm. It would probably have to be this house hack. I mean, this house hack really allowed it all to be, to work for me, you know, and it's made me such great income, <clears throat> such a great cash flow. And again, the reason I'm not making better cash flow is because I had such great appreciation because I waited. Gotcha. Now, if I bought this house at what it's worth now, it wouldn't be cash flowing. Right. No, I'd be negative, but I'd be living in, I'm, I'm living in uh, this, it's a suburb of Chicago. It's called Evanston. Northwestern University is here. Yep. I can open my door on my back porch and show you the football stadium. And I don't know about you, but I'm a big football fan and I don't care who's no. playing. But hey, this is the Big Ten team. You know, if you're going to be yep. in the college football, I like it the fact that Michigan comes to my back door. You know, Wisconsin comes to my back door, Nebraska, exactly. Ohio State, the party's always here. I love that. So I got into the lifestyle I wanted and it was cash flowing because of studying for years and patience. So if you're like a new investor, I'm a big believer in you, you don't invest to just make money. It's to increase your lifestyle. Everything for me is about making my lifestyle better or easier, easier. I, mm -hmm. English is my first language and still can't, I can't speak it. Um, but I mean, like you, you need, you need to do what's best for you. Some people like if you're, like, let's say right now you're a 30 year old, I'm going to say male, you're a 30 year old male and you're not married. Well, don't think what you want. It really is a flashy car to get the girl. Yeah. What you want is a, what women really want. If you're ready to get married <clears throat> is they want a guy who's got, 
a good control over his financial spending. Mm -hmm. I used to make a joke as a woman. I was like, I don't want a diamond ring. I want an address. Like okay. propose to me with an address uh, because go. that's, I'm serious. Not your car, not your clothes, not the club. It's, it's not, just, not looking like Instagram good. Yeah, it's that stability. Or that means you're probably putting your money somewhere else. You're probably a bit too busy working to be playing because by the time you're 40, I'm, I just turned 41 and I'm like, I only want to work four more years and I'm retiring. I'm done. And so I, I wouldn't say that I have a flashy lifestyle, but I definitely have a way better lifestyle than any other fireman I know. So. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's limited, limited worrying. You, you don't have to worry, you know? Um, so with that house that you're in right now, so you mm -hmm. bought it as a foreclosure, correct? Yes, I did. Okay. And <laughs> just kind of going over some of the numbers you put, was it 40 or 80K down? Put 80K down. Originally 40, then they came back and wanted biggest and highest. And I went with everything I had, $80,100. Yeah. Okay. You went all in. Um, the purchase price was 280. Yep. 280. And now how, how long ago was that? That was 2012. So 12. seven years ago, that one decision changed the course of your life. Because now that $280,000 house is worth seven dollars to $800,000. Yeah. So not only did you get the appreciation position, but you also have the cash flow that's coming right. from it also. So that's and the lifestyle. Right. District. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a mile from Lake Michigan, and I've decided this year I'm going to learn how to paddleboard surf Lake Michigan. So you, so you got, got the lifestyle, you got the cash flow, and you have the appreciation all from one decision. So, mm -hmm. man, congratulations to you, Megan. That's, that's, you hit the trifecta right there. Definitely hit the trifecta. Um, so after that deal, uh, after that, what did you do next? What was the next acquisition? What was the next purchase after that, Megan? Well, um, I wasn't sure that I wanted to buy many more because now I had my condo because I didn't sell that. And I had the unit upstairs. Um, and then I was going to rent the one that I was living in because we moved. Uh, and I moved for a job so I could take a better job that would give me more opportunities. So that's when we moved out to the East Coast. I took a job at the Navy's busiest fire engine on the East Coast, Epithesda Naval Base. Wow. Uh, that's where the, the Wounded Warrior Care Project is. Um, Walter Reed hospitals there mm -hmm. and obviously Obama and a number of famous people come in and, you know, meet the right. wounded warriors and stuff. And I wanted some of the dignitaries and like oh, president Obama would come in, we would um, escort him around the base and sometimes back to the Capitol. So um, we bought a house out there and then that house, we moved again and then rented that house out and then moved again and rented that house out. And I just kept, I was gonna, if I'm gonna hoard something, it's gonna be properties that pay for themselves. <laughs> yeah. And I, if you guys have a business sense of mind, if you're used to retail or Amazon or any kind of like the complex capitalistic ways of America, you want to basically send all the work to another place where it's somebody else's, you can do the work for you. So um, it's like how some people in our industry use virtual assistants mm -hmm. or um, you get somebody else to do the work for you. Right. Uh, I can't think of the word right now. That's why I'm kind of stumbling through this, but um, it's the same idea when you buy properties and have someone else pay the mortgage for you. Yep. If, if they live there 30 years, they bought you a house. Exactly. So if you bought a house every year for the next 30 years, however old you are now, you could sell a house at whatever price it's worth at that point paid off 
clear and free by somebody else, not you, someone else. And you could sell a house every year for the next 30 years. 30 years. What are the odds you'll live that long? Probably not good. But you'll know that you can spend $500,000 a year this year, and you know you'll sell that house next year, and you'll have a good idea of generally what it's worth. Or you sell it all at once and go live on a beach or throw it all into Absolutely. Vegas, whatever you want. Yeah. It's, uh, off, off outsourcing. That's the word I was looking for. Okay, outsourcing. Having someone else pay the rent or pay the mortgage on your property is outsourcing that, that work. So outsource it. Buy houses and have other people live in them. So now you're financing. Um, did you do all traditional financing or did you use any private money or hard I've never money? Used, I haven't used private money or hard money. Um, so again, I have a, you haven't seen, I have a, I have a pattern of saving money. So, um, and I also had equity in this property to use. And then sadly, I also inherited some money when my mom passed okay. and she's my main inspiration for everything. She was the one to tell me to get in real estate. She had her own company. She hired everyone else in my family except me. And she was just like, Megan, you're not meant to work for anybody else. You're absolutely un unemployable. She said, but I would like to be your partner in real estate investing. So the way I look at it is I part with my mom's money. I was able to partner into more and more properties on my own. And that's when I started using the Burr method. My original financing was all um, based so off. Before, of, you, before you go further, let's get into the Burr method for some of the listeners that don't know what that is. Kind of what's the acronym Burr and, and uh, how do you do that? Sure. Um, well, I'm going to just say like how most people do their, I'm going to jump into the financing thing because you asked that question okay. and I hate, I, sometimes I'm too much like a politician where I answer the question I wanted you to ask me. <laughs> okay. My brain went there on accident, but so I used traditional financing for my first couple of homes up to four homes. Um, and then after that, I went directly to commercial loans. But like I said, I had that money from my mom passing and I, when we were, I, we were out when I decided to go full time and start using commercial loans, that's when we were out in the Quad Cities and I could buy a property for $65,000, put $25,000 into it, make it worth $105,000, take all my cash back and have um, a property that made me about $300 a month cash. So it was like a free $300 check a month. Mm -hmm. um, and since I did those renovations, $30,000 on like a $65,000 house is a pretty, pretty good amount of work. Right. Um, but those rents were really good. I had good renters. I had good regular renters. I mean, the rent on it was just over a thousand bucks, working class couple. It was a pretty safe income. And I did that. I took that money and bought a duplex with it and fixed that up and then rented that out and bought, paid like 50,000 for it, put about 30,000 into it and was making 1400 a month on that, uh, 1600 a month between the two units and did the same thing. Got my money out of it, bought another place. And so then I, on that one, I was making like 700 a month cash coming in. And since I renovated it all, I knew I had so much time. So I didn't have to put as much away for capital capital X expenses and stuff. So I just kept doing that over and over again, buy a house, put money into it. It's valuation would go up. You can only do this on the upswing in the market. You can't do this going down. Right. So the burr method might not be the method you want to use right now. If you're interested in burring, um, or you could do the burr method and I'll explain the whole process again, very clearly in a second. Um, but you can do the Burr method right now. If you're just going to be doing very small cosmetic quick projects, you don't want anything that's going to be greater than 60 days. When you pay cash for a property, you can get it refinanced within 28 days. Most 
if you don't pay cash, you have to season the property. Some banks will allow you a six month seasoning time. Seasoning means show me that you can run this property based on the rent coming in and how much you paid for it. And after a year's worth of proof in the pudding, then we'll refi. You can skip that magic. You, the magic trick to that is paying that cash up front um, yeah. and pulling that cash right back out and doing it again. So um, where are we in Burr? So first is with Burr method, it's buy, mm -hmm. but buy at a discount, always buy at a discount. The Burr method isn't meant for you to go in. If you're going to do it, it's repetitive. So if you can borrow a hundred thousand dollars and buy like a $60,000 house, like I wasn't put $30,000 into it, hundred thousand dollars is all you need. And you can do, you know, I would say try to do one every two months because you don't want to do gut rehabs. They take too long. So you're looking at paint, flooring, easy things, changing out toilets, maybe like you don't want to do plumbing, electric. It's they're like soft flips, but then you hold them for at least a year. I soft flipped. I guess you would consider that a soft flip because I would burr them and then I would sell them to the tenants who were renting them from me. That was right. the easy exit strategy I had. And I already had it proven to him that it was worth what I had it evaluated at. So when they tried to offer me less, I could be like, well, I, a year ago, it was valued right, at this, right. it was all brand new. And now everything's gone up in the market. So you think it's worth less? And then people are like, okay. And then they're like, well, I'll give you that then. You're like, no, 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 no. That's what it was worth last year. Last year, exactly. What is it worth this year? They're like, okay, all right, 110. And then you get the, you get what you want, you know? So, this, and it's a soft flip. So on that, I walked away with, um, I made it, but on that house, $300 a month. Uh, of just money coming in plus the appreciation between what it was so 95,000 and I sold it for 110. So I, and I also made that money. Yeah. My capital gains on that because I owned it for over a year and my tenant wanted to buy it sooner, but I was like, Hey, I can't do that for because of capital gains. And he was like, Oh really? That's interesting. Teach me about it. And then he agreed that that's what he wanted. He That's what he wanted to do. He's like, oh, since you taught me that, maybe I can do it too. He was a carpenter, so I probably also helped him, <laughs> helped him get started. Yeah, he's out there. He said he said he was going to start following me now and learning from me, not just renting from me. So we'll see. Okay, all right. It's also good to turn your renters into real estate investors. I mean, that's that's a good feeling. So, so um, yeah. So like the burn methods, you buy it, then you rehab it. Like I said, let's do a light, quick rehab, less than 60 days. That's if you're going to be doing it right now, that's the best way to do it. Um, and then you rehab it. So then you're going to refinance it. Mm -hmm. And then you're, as, as you're trying to rent it or rent it and refinance it. So you yep. do those things simultaneously. Day 29, you have an appointment with your banker to get in there. You say, this is what I'm going to charge for rent. You say how many people you already have kind of going through the process. You would already have had it reappraised because you're going to need that reappraisal to get your cash out. And the bank will take a look at that and make a decision. Did you walk in today with some cut off booty shorts? You're probably not going to get that money out. Right, right. Walk very professionally. Are you prepared? Do you have, and I tell people, if you don't know how to put together something professional, um, equivalent to like a pitch, you're basically pitching the, the bank for, alone so you need like a little pitch book about why this property is a good investment because they're investing in you at this point mm -hmm. and if you do that work for them and you show them that you know what the DSCR is if you don't know what that is look it up people you should know what that is yep. um, if you don't know what the internal rate of return is if you don't know what the capex 
what you should be putting away for a CapEx. If you don't know these answers, they're not gonna, this method isn't for you yet. So learn, 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 learn. So what after you get your refinance and you rent it, yeah. So what do you normally put aside for CapEx? Do you do 8%, 10%? I, that's, that's a little weighted question. I typically put away 28 to 32% okay. of the overall money coming in away. Um, and that will vary for each property. If I do a bigger, if I do like a gut rehab, like what it was, what it was early in the market, putting more money into them and, and stuff. Um, I, I would I'd go that route. Uh, but like now, like I guess I do the short rehabs and, and get out of them. Um, but like the short rehabs, if you're going to hold it, you know, at some point that roof's going to go, if you're going to buy and hold it. Yeah. If you, but if you're going to do the soft flips, I love the soft flip game, to be honest with you. I think it's the best way to make money as fast as possible with the least amount of cash in hand. Yeah. You can bang, bang, bang six houses out your first year. Then you figured out, oh, I got a system. Cool. I'm going to double that and do one a month with a team. So you have your own team now that you've hired. Now you're bang, 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 12 houses a year. And you can start selling those first six. Right. And then now you get all that appreciation, more cash. Well, that's why you can double your business that next year because now you got that more cash because now you've got twice as much cash flow. So you're, the quality of your life just went up. Um, and you're getting twice the cash flow and you got another pile of cash to do, do it, double down on those birds. Yep. So what happens in year three? Now you're doing 30 a year. Maybe, maybe. If you have so, the family. <laughs> that's, that's in a perfect world, yep. but let's, let's aim low and let's do one. Let's do one in a year and then learn to be a landlord and then learn you know, how, how to do all of that right and how to write a perfect lease. Um, that, that's probably the best way to do it. You got to either burr or you got to house hack or you got to do both. Yep. So tell me, Megan, what's next? What's next on Megan McCollum's calendar? What are you looking to get into now? Oh, man, I, I would almost say that that changes with every new opportunity I run my head right into. But what we got coming up shortly is... Um, I'm going to be launching a company called Tygon Edu Vacations. And Tygon is a company that, Tygon's a real word. It's an animal. It's the opposite of a, of a liger. It's a male, male tiger and a female lion get together and lovingly create something wonderful. Amazing, and, huh? <laughs> what's that? I said amazing, huh? Yeah, an amazing hybrid animal. And they, they find that these hybrid animals, um, when, when they're, they're, their offspring tend to have all the best qualities of each of, of their okay. parents. So there's hybrid vigor. So we're going with the whole theme with hybrid vigor with the company and we're taking education and those awesome, awesome vacation spots and we're adding in a touch of like fun to make your life higher quality. So for example, I would like to have um, one of our first events be one with how to uh, understand trends and cycles in real estate investing and have someone like Kathy Fetke who, who uh, is excited about this idea. So she's kind of one of my mentors that really empowered me to go forward with this. So Kathy and I would, you know, be, go uh, surfing. You're talking about Kathy from the Real Wealth Work Network, so, correct? Yeah, Kathy Fetke okay. from the Real Wealth Network, yeah. Uh, she and I just went, got back from Costa Rica in March and we uh, decided to go down there and do some stand-up paddleboarding and um, 
we had happened to have a couple other women who went with us who were busy in doing really well in business and it, it became and then like a doctor and then a, um, a VP of a company just happened to be there okay. with us and we just had like the coolest like masterminds every night so we'd be doing paddleboard surfing we get coached in paddleboard surfing we're hit, we're like on some of the best beaches in, in Costa Rica the food was all made for us we could just come back and just crash everything was just set up and perfect and then we would have these like engaging conversations and I was like Kathy I only like surfing half the day. I'm like, I'm too tired at the end of the day. <laughs> like half a day would be nice. I'm like, the other half would be really great if we could, you know, really kind of create some sort of like, um, like program for real estate investing education. And then the networking at night where we could actually get to personally know each other. So it's kind of like a mastermind, um, yeah. like a, a small group, uh, one-on-one, you know, with some of the people who really inspire you and you get to go and yeah, and that's the that's the power of your network, you know, really having that network. So, uh, Tigon Educations, that's Edu-vacations, coming up. Educations, yeah. All right, all right, sweet, sweet. So, um, Megan, we're wrapping up here. So, tell me, how can we find you? Where can we follow you at? How can our listeners get in touch with you and see what you're doing? Um, I am pretty much all over Facebook. Uh, if you look me, if you look up Megan McCullum. Uh, and then space capital R E you will find me. Um, I throw stuff up there sometimes to antagonize people just to hear what everybody's talking about, thinking about and try to get a general, you know, fingers on the pulse of society. And sometimes it's pictures of my kids. And a lot of times it's stuff about real estate investing. Sometimes it's comedy, but you can always message me there. Um, you can email me at Megan at McCollumholdings.com. Everything will be down in the show notes in order for you to, find Megan and find myself. So thank you guys, Megan signing off. All right. Have a good day guys. Share this video. Thank you for listening to today's show. I picked up some great actionable items and I'm sure you did as well. If so, let me know. You can always reach me via social media at facebook.com slash MRCS Maloney, Twitter at MRCS Maloney, and of course, IG at MRCS Maloney. You can also always reach me via email at mmaloney at equityri.com. Make sure you reach out to our guest as well. You can always find their contact information in the show notes below. If you have not subscribed already, what are you waiting for? Join the family. And while you're at it, leave us a five-star review. This is how we tell if we're providing you with what you need for your journey. If there's someone you would like for me to interview or if there's a subject matter you would like for me to cover, please let me know. Finally, if you're looking for additional information about real estate investing, go to equityrealestateblog.com, also youtube.com slash Marcus Maloney. Until next time, family, always enjoy the journey.